as we continue to return to our seats after our giving. We're glad to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. You look awesome. You ought to smile. You accomplished something today. Amen. It's not easy going through a day like you have to go through and then make it to church. Uh, you just, uh, you look good tonight. Turn around, smile at somebody and tell them you look awesome. Amen. Yeah. And, and mean it when you say it. You look awesome. Mean it. Don't laugh while you're saying it. Mean it. You look awesome tonight. Yeah, you look better than me. Amen. If you have not turned in your cruise voucher, you didn't get one, you need to see an usher. But if you've got one, you need to make sure you turn it in. Brother Dwayne will have the basket when service is over. The coffee shop is not open tonight for you to take it there. Brother Dwayne will have a basket at the back of the church. And make sure you do that and... Uh, you're going to be greatly blessed. Uh, at the end of the month, we've got a, we're going to do a drawing, and there's several prizes. There are going to be several gifts given away, and uh, I think you'll be thankful that you made the effort to be a part of Wednesday night. You can be seated for the moment. Uh, you're in for a special treat tonight. I mean, a very special treat. Number one, the doctor's in the house. Amen. And uh, you're going to get to hear from him. We were talking this afternoon and the more he talked, I said, why don't you just come and share with the church what we're talking about? Because I can't do it. And so he's going to do that. I'm going to make an introduction and then get out of the way. But there is, uh, that is one treat tonight. The second treat is we have a meal prepared for you, and it's, it's a casual meal. It's going to be like Slotsky's and Chick-fil-A and ice cream sandwiches soon as church is over. So we're not leaving till then, but when church is over, we're going to go to the family center, and there's games that uh, are going to be there and some good food and fellowship. There's chips, there's drinks, and... Uh, you're going to have a wonderful time tonight in participating in fellowship. And I think that this month we are on the ship called Fellowship. And I want to emphasize every opportunity that I can how vitally important uh, being in fellowship and uh, fellowshipping with the body is so critical to us. And there's a scripture that has captured my imagination today. Or it was yesterday, I guess, when I first read. I went back through several scriptures about fellowship. But it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I, I want to talk to you about the first four verses. But the fourth verse is what captured and intrigued my mind today. And it simply says, praying us, Paul talking about the Macedonians, praying us, entreating us 
that we would receive this gift that they had gathered together. And they said, take upon us. We want to take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And I have been intrigued by that phrase, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now, if you read in the uh, other translations and other writings concerning this verse, you discover that the people in Macedonia had heard about the poverty and the need in Corinth and the, 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 the unique thing about it is that they themselves in Macedonia were in poverty. But when they heard about the need of the body in another area, they were so moved by that need that they began, out of their poverty, they began to gather together this gift that they could send. I have no idea what all that gift was, but evidently it was monetary, it was uh, food products, it was clothing perhaps, I, I don't know, but I just know that they were so moved by the need in the body that they wanted to be a part of the ministry, the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And I would pray that that would become the desire and the, the, the cry of Greater Life Church. That we would become addicted to ministering to the saints. Of being a part of the fellowship of God's people. And understanding how important that is. We are sailing on the, the, the great ship called fellowship. And I, I hope that you will enjoy this. I want it to be more than just fun and games, but we're trying to express to you how critically important this particular vessel is. And I pray that all of you will gain the desired understanding of how critical fellowship is to the body of Christ and our purpose in highlighting and traveling on this vessel is to help us better understand the significance of fellowship in the church and why it is so important that we gather together on a regular basis. There are a lot of people in our world right now that consider themselves Christian but they see no need, nor do they feel no compulsion to make themselves a part of a body and participate in that body life. And they are missing something very important. I think for the most part, you and I are drawn to God because of our need. And uh, we are drawn to the church because of our need or we are drawn to the church because we are seeking for uh, a truth and we desire to connect with our creator and so for the most part uh we we make church about us 
And that's okay in the beginning because that's where you start the journey. But there's another side to this that we must move into and we must segue beyond just coming to church for ourselves. We must understand the importance and the significance of this body life that we are participating in. There's something vital that happens here. And so it is often that I come in and I sit on these pews in prayer and I ask myself this question, if I were a member of this church or if I had come into this church and sat on these pews, what would I want to hear coming from that pulpit? And and so that is what helps motivate us in our preaching and, and it moves us to try to minister to those needs. But there comes a time... When we have to take on the ministry ourselves, that we have to take on the responsibility of not coming to church because we need something, but coming to church because somebody else is going to need something. And my participation in coming to church is going to help them find what they need. And so when we make church more than about us, Something powerful happens and something takes place that is unexplainable. And when you understand the fellowship of the church and its importance and it's crucial to our lives, then we transform into the true body that God envisioned the church to be. And that fellowship is purpose to help us become that body, that, that fellowship that is so needed. And I, I, in, in talking about this with my brother today, he began to share with me some of the things about why fellowship is so important. And so I'm going to let him come and finish. And he's on a time clock. He's got 10 minutes. And I know that's not good for him, but that's, come on, I took too much time. But he's going to share with you what, uh, I'm, we need a mic. Where's a mic? Getting one of these right here. I've got the orange mic. You got it? You got it on there? Oh, okay. Everybody online, just forgive us tonight. Go ahead. If you go to the garden and look at the, the creation that God did there and the way he created things, there's incredible significance behind everything he did. He did everything in order. But the last thing he created is man. And he put Adam in the garden. But it wasn't long before God noticed something in Adam that required something to fix. And the need that was there was that Adam was alone. And that he needed something in his life so that it, he wouldn't be alone or feel alone. So Eve is created. Now, Adam and Eve represent all of humanity, but it, Adam and Eve also represent God in the church. She represents the church. He represents God. Now, the problem was that Adam failed at his job. He was simply given two minor instructions. They weren't difficult. They weren't hard. They weren't impossible to do. 
he was required to dress the garden and to keep it. His responsibility was to make sure that it was clean. If fruit falls off of trees, move it. If limbs fall off of trees, move it. Don't let the garden become a dangerous place to live. Second thing he was required to do was to guard it, to keep it. He had decision over who came, who who was allowed in, who was not allowed in. And he failed at both of those. He didn't keep the garden safe, and then he let something in that destroyed it. And the scripture tells us that in the fullness of time, Jesus came into the world. At the right moment, at the right time, Jesus showed up. Now, if you look at history at that time, there would be nothing in history that indicates that ought to be the time Jesus showed up. Families are divided. There's all kinds of issues. They divide, they're divided amongst themselves. The, uh, Israel as a nation was so divided that there were so many splinter groups and groups. There were Pharisees, Sadducees, Essenes, Zealots. You had the Herodians, the Galileans, the Jerusalemites. Everybody was divided. Jesus shows up at the time man was horribly divided. And he came at that time so that he could show his disciples how you make all of this work. And he started living a life to show them how to do it. Your most powerful need as a human being is to be safe. It is more powerful than any other need you have. It's more powerful than the need to eat. It's more powerful than the need to be loved. It's more powerful than the need to get water to drink. It's more powerful than any other need you have in your life to be safe. The instant you're not safe or your mind perceives you're not safe, then you go into survival mode. And from that point forward, all you do is survive. You don't live. You don't enjoy life. You survive. When survival kicks in, there's always a fruit that shows up in everybody's life. And the fruit that shows up in all of our lives when survival appears is fear. We'll begin to be driven and controlled by fear. Fear will dominate our lives. Fear will control us. And as a result of fear, then all kinds of other things start showing up. Panic attacks, paranoia. Obsessive compulsive disorder, all, all kinds of issues start happening as a result of fear. David said, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me to dwell in safety. God is our only source of being safe. This environment is the only safe place you can come to where you'll never walk away being embarrassed, shamed, humiliated, being beat up feeling worthless, feeling as if you're nobody. Matter of fact, you can create or, or cause the, the worst problem in the world and be guilt-ridden, full of shame, and show up, walk through the doors, and the Lord start talking to you and reaching for you. And, and, and the shame or that you feel will drag you to an altar, and at an altar, you'll repent. And when you repent and you walk away, you don't walk away feeling worthless. 
you're going to walk away feeling like you're the most valuable person in the world because God created this place to be safe. He will always make sure church is safe. Your home may not be safe, but his presence is always safe. He's not going to harm anybody, hurt anybody. So in his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, here is where you find true peace, true joy, true happiness is only in the presence of God. Now, as the body, the church, as Eve, it requires you and I to make the children of this body feel safe. Brother Kilgore used to say that fellowship is simply two people in a boat or a ship. You can't have fellowship without somebody else being there. Our world has deceived us into thinking there are substitutes for fellowship. We think if we can spend enough time on Facebook or, or texting that, that we're having fellowship. But that's not true because texting emails, none of these things technology does will ever turn off that fight or flight syndrome. The only resource you have that turns off fight or flight is another human being. It requires another body in your presence and the person really needs to be in front of you. So you can't see your world. According to scientists, you see less than 120 degrees of your world. If my wife stood behind me and looked the other direction, I can only see 240 degrees. There's still 120 degrees that neither one of us can see. That's what, he can see all of it. But as humans, when we show up to the house of God and we have fellowship, conversation, before church started tonight, there was a lot of conversation going on. That is a very healthy sign that when people feel comfortable enough to talk to each other and to even laugh and, and share things, that is the most healthy sign of a church that exists. Church is not the, the, the starting of, of the first song and the prayer that ends it. The time before church and after church is just as important as that time frame between the first song and the amen. God will always make you feel safe. But it requires humans to make you feel safe in your world. You're going to feel safe spiritually and emotionally, but you'll never feel safe in the world that we live in without other human beings. In conversations, in fellowship, the person looking at you lets your brain know you're safe. If that person is not there, your brain can't tell you're safe. With that person there, your conversation can be about anything. Subconsciously, your eyes are watching their face. Now, have you ever noticed it's hard to have a conversation where you look someone in the eye the entire time? None of us can do that. But that's God-given. Why? Because our eyes start looking on other things for a reason. I'm looking at their world. I can see behind them. 
So I, by my expression, am telling them, you're safe. So when I have eye contact and we have a conversation, if I see something that causes me to be startled or alerted, it instantly shows up on my face and you either ask me, is there something wrong, or you're going to turn around to see what I'm seeing that you're not. See, Jesus came into a world where there was a lot of, of issues and problems. There, there was suspicion. They couldn't trust each other. That They had issues with whether I ought to let somebody in my life. And fellowship was the only tool to tear that wall down. You'll never know how somebody thinks unless you can talk to them. You'll never be able to trust anybody without a conversation. The more you can communicate, the more you can trust. And so conversation builds trust. When trust is missing, the only substitute for trust is suspicion. So the instant conversation leaves, suspicion kicks in instantly. And then you start becoming suspicious of behavior. What are they after? When suspicion shows up, fear will be its fruit. It's impossible to be afraid without first being suspicious. If our world can cause us to be suspicious of each other, then they've destroyed the church. But if we can have conversation before and after church, whether it's five minutes, ten minutes, it doesn't matter how long it is, that time before and after is just as vital to your spiritual life as the hour to hour and a half from the first song to the amen. And that spiritual part of it, you've got to have the physical part as well. If not, we'll become paranoid of each other once we start becoming suspicious, then we start becoming fearful, and then it doesn't just stop with one person. If you ever become suspicious, you're going to feed it. It's going to bleed over everybody around you. You may start with one, but before it's over, it'll be everybody. And church is God's answer to let us know we're safe. Watching it online don't do you one bit of good. Because there's not a, another human there to let you know you're safe. If they are, they're not looking at you. And because they're not looking at you, your brain is... Have you noticed trying to watch something online you can't get into it? Your brain's hearing every noise. It's hearing the dishwasher kick on. It's hearing the ice maker. It's hearing every noise in the house because there's not another human there to let you know you're safe by looking at you. Then all these issues show up. Fellowship is the most vital thing we do as a church. The Lord will. Amen to that. Praise God. It's more than just a word. It is a life that we must engage in and understand the importance of it. This is one thing I'm going to shut up and let you go eat. When you make church about others, when you make coming to church about others, you open a window of opportunity with God 
that nothing else can open. Because when I make church about you, God makes sure that he makes church about me as well. But if I come in and make church about simply me, many times I go away disappointed because I didn't get what I wanted. But when I see God blessing you, it's never failed to come and turn and bless me. And so when we make church that indispensable part of our life, we need the fellowship. And just as important as what we're about to do. You're going to laugh. You're going to, but that's the healthiest thing that a church can do. And when we can do that, we can keep the walls down. When we don't do that or when the walls go up. And we're going to tear some walls down tonight. I want you to go find somebody you don't normally sit around or sit with. And I want you to sit at a table and eat a meal with them tonight. Amen. Learn something about somebody here tonight that you didn't know. Amen. Make the church stronger by what you engage in. Everybody said amen. Lord, we want you to bless our fellowship tonight and bless the food that we're going to partake of. And help us, Lord, to remember that you are the reason for everything we do. We bless you and we thank you for all that are here tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 We want you to go out the front, go to the gym. They may even have the cart available for our elders so they don't have to walk so far. Enjoy your time together tonight.